Broadcasting live from Buffalo State College, here is The Blitz on 91.3 FM. Welcome to The Blitz on 91.3 FM, WBNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. My name is Dan Dale, also known as Double D. Mr. Harrington is was out golfing today, so uh, who knows how energetic he's going to be. You know, I, I, I don't know how good of a golfer he is. I got to ask him that once he uh, calls in. He should be calling in around 2.30. Sorry for the late start, everybody. Uh, traffic is horrible. And by horrible, I just mean playing horrible. Like, it, it is backed up. From from Lancaster to downtown Buffalo, usually a 25, 20, 25 minute drive turned into a 40 minute drive. I mean, not even kidding. It is so backed up. But enough about them, enough about me. Let's get right into the sports. You know, when I want to talk about something that I'm only interested in, I try not to bring it up in front of the other guys because I want them to talk. Uh, but since it's just me, I get to only talk. And what I really want to talk about before the season starts, uh, I'm not talking about football. I'm talking about football. Yes, I know. I'm talking about the Premier League over in England. You know, way early start time uh, every t- year. But they start next week. Shockingly, tomorrow's August and next week is is when they start. And a month from now, I got to start school. Whoop-de-doo. But I don't want to think about that right now. So usually when I'm able to talk about the Premier League, um, really there's not much transfer news as of now. Uh, Before it was Declan Rice going to Arsenal from West Ham and West Ham really getting a lot of money back uh, due to the fact that Manchester City was kind of playing both sides, raising the price. Um, So Arsenal had to pay way more than they wanted to. It was supposed to be, I believe, an only $75 to $80 million transfer fee and went up to $105. It it was really high up, um, more than they expected, of course. But that happens all the time. Uh, But usually now, with the transfer days coming to an end, you know, whoever's getting transferred now, it's really late. Um, probably just making last-minute decisions uh, like Kylian Mbappe in France with uh, Ligue 1 uh, with PSG. You know, him thinking of leaving PSG, getting that big, big contract offer from the uh, Saudi Arabia League, the Saudi Pro League. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw that, but his... Wages. It was a two hundred million transfer fee, so that's what PSG gets. And Kylian Mbappe would make seven hundred and thirty some million a year. That three fourths of a billion. I I mean, and he's turning it down. He's like, I don't want to talk to them. Are you nuts, dude? You could be set for life, and it's only a one year contract. That's the big thing. It's only one year that he has to spend there. So he can go wherever else he wants next year, but he could make $700 million for one 
year. I think anybody with the right mind would say, I'm going there right now. I am. I, I will take a plane. I will run over there. I don't care if I got to swim through the waters uh, of the Atlantic. You know, I don't care anymore. I'm going to go there for $700 million. I think anybody's taking that deal. He's like the one guy in the world who says, I don't want to talk to them. No, I'm good. Uh, but with the Premier League coming around, everybody usually does a tier list or a rankings of what they think each team is going to finish. Uh, so I did that in my spare time. And uh, here's my tier list for a year. I think Manchester City is going to win it all again. I don't think there's any surprise. Holland's too, he's just too amazing. They still have a great team with Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, they have, I know Kyle Walker left in the transfer days in the off season, but they still have a really good team put together. It's not like Pep Guardiola it doesn't know what he's going to do. He is one of the smartest managers out there. He he won the treble last year, which is all three trophies. He got a trifecta. Um, I don't think they're going to slow down by any means. I still think second will be Arsenal. I, I Maybe it was a fluke last year of them going first and being in first for a long time and then, of course, fumbling the bag. But just with their their key additions that they added, it seems like they're going to be good enough to stay in the Champions League area of a two through four spot. Um, I, I would think they come second. That's my thought, at least. Third, my team. Manchester United, big up Marcus Rashford and Ten Hag. I, I love them to death. I, I mean, honestly, I haven't been so excited to see a Manchester United team in a while. Uh, you know, some people think they're going to be worse with David De Gea gone. And De Gea was really good for a long time. There, it, there is nothing bad to say about him at least for what he did for Manchester United for those 12 years, I believe. He stuck, he was there being the cornerstone of that goal. But it was just time to move on. You could tell, you know, just some things he should have had, some goals that he could have saved. He could have done things differently, and I don't know if that was old age or his body just not being able to do what it used to and him trying to do what he used to. Um, no, that happens a lot with older players where they're just like, I know I can do this. I used to do it. And then they just can't do it now. It, you know, it, it's sad to see that he's a free agent. He'll end up somewhere. I, I bet for sure. I bet he will go to the Saudi pro league if he gets a good enough offer because they're just picking Saudi Pro League's picking up everybody in the world at this point. But then fourth, I think fourth is going to be a little bit surprising. I have Liverpool coming in fourth after a horrible season last year where they finished mid-table. Um, or it, it wasn't mid-table. They still made Europa League. But, you know, they during the beginning of that last season – they weren't looking good at all. It didn't look like the Liverpool of old where, you know, they won trophies. They barely, like, they would inch out Manchester City. It just didn't look like it this that last year. Um, 
I honestly think they'll bounce back. They'll get into the Champions League again. I don't think there should be a problem. You know, you still have Salah. You still have, I believe, Anderson's their goalie. I could be wrong there. I could be naming the Manchester City goalie. It's Sometimes it's hard to remember who goes where. Uh, but I think Liverpool back bounces back this season. I think they'll do better than expected. Um, because everybody had them coming first or second last season. Probably now everybody will be like, oh, they're going to go seven, maybe six, but they're not going to be back in the Champions League. I think they are. They are. They're, they ha- they have enough talent to push push them over the edge. Uh, Newcastle, I think, comes fifth. I know, like, harsh feelings on Newcastle. I know they just came fourth and they had a run with Manchester United for third and fourth place but you know if I'm thinking one team's got to drop that's the team to drop they're a very young team even though they have a lot of money in them they're just very young so I I can't expect them you know not falling all the way down to like no we you know no other leagues at all but I I just think they fall out of the top four they come fifth it's not bad they're still going to be happy with the season uh so then moving on to number six, I think Aston Villa will come six. Aston Villa had a heck of a season last year, and I just think they're going to be really good in the sense that um, they've just they're, they've been on the up and up. The younger players, their development has worked out so great for them. You saw it last year where you know they were able to play with the top of the top. Maybe they weren't able to win them all, but... They were able to put pressure, say, hey, we are here. If we make the right moves, we are definitely going to be able to stay. And then seventh, who goes to the Europa Conference League, uh, I think it's Brian Alblon. I I just think that they're such a good team. They're such a good young team. That's the thing. Um, Mostly now everything is shipping to shifting to are you a good young team and uh Brian had that they came I believe eighth or ninth last season so it's not like they were far out from a uh league spot it just you know there's always a couple of games you should have won a couple of games you know you could have turned around but I think this year there's probably enough room to say, you know, maybe they'll have a, a race with number eight, who I have as Bentford. Um, I, I definitely think that they may have a race for that last spot. Tom Spurs, I, I got to admit, they are coming nine, at least. They, Harry Kane's gone, and I know probably if anybody from England is listening to this, they're going to be like, oh, this guy knows nothing. Well, I know Harry Kane is basically your whole offense. He was your whole offense. He was your key star striker. He's gone now. He went bye-bye. He went to Byron Munich. He ain't coming back. He doesn't want to come back. He never wants to come back. Honestly, I, I think if you ask him how much of a fun time he had, he would say he would have a horrible time because he didn't win anything. Tottenham will not win anything for probably another 20 years. You know, no trophies for them in sight. Honestly, right now, I I just think they come ninth just with the departure of Harry Kane. They won't have the same offense. 
uh, I believe ninth will be form, uh, and then tenth will be uh, Crystal Palace. Then I believe eleventh will be Nottingham Forest, and Nottingham Forest is a little bit of a surprise. They were on a relegation battle last year, and I I think they turn it around. I think they do enough where, you know, it it was a very big relegation battle last year. I expect the same thing this year uh, where, you know, just one win will push you over the edge to, you know, be out of the lower mid-table or relegation battle, you know, just one or two wins. Or if you do well enough, it's like, hey, I, I you don't have to worry about it for a long time. Then 12th, I think with the departure of Declan Rice, which I mentioned earlier, it's going to bring their offense down a little, uh, a, a lot. And I think it's going to be West Ham. They go from 7th place all the way down to 12th, uh, finishing in the higher mid-table. You know, I sometimes when you're not willing to pay players, it can be the worst of you. And when you haven't really brought anybody in, like, you better hope your development squad has been good and that you can do what you want to do um, because Declan Rice was really a key front. He got a lot of double teams. He was able to pass the ball around very efficiently. He was a great crosser. Uh, I I just think there there was a lot to lose, and he he said he wanted to stay at West Ham, and then they're like, nah. Nah, we're, we're going to ship you off. We don't have the money uh, to pay you what you want. But now he's in Ars- he's at Arsenal, so he'll probably be happier. Moving to number 13, Chelsea. I think it's clear as day. They have sold everybody under the living sun. Oh, my God. It, it will be a brand new, fresh team. I will be. I am shocked they will still come this far up, but I think they're still... Many worse teams than them, so they get to stay up. Um, honestly, they don't have much left. I mean, they have Sterling and they have uh, Lloris and Goal, but they don't have that much left. They don't at all. Uh, you know, they sold, I believe, out of their starting 11, I believe nine or eight players have been shipped off. Including Conte, which is just unbelievable that if they look anything like themselves last season, uh, they I, I honestly believe there could be a chance they get relegated, even if I have them so far, far, far up at 13. You know, there's always a chance they can be relegated, but I just don't see it happening I feel something will bail them out or they'll make a mid-season transfer and get a couple of guys in to help out the younger guys that's definitely a possibility uh number 14 I believe will be the Wolves the Wolverhampton Wolves uh they lost Newman uh Ruben Nuvez and you know I I think that was their key uh, center, center midfield. I I had to remember where he played for a minute. Uh, but I I think he was really their key. He was really their key scorer. And to lose him, I mean, after a long time, I believe he was at the club for six, seven years, and he's the one who helped get him up to the Premier League. Uh, 
Um, I I just think it's time that they're going to dip back down, and they weren't doing that great last season anyway. They came mid-table. They'll come mid-table again. They'll they'll survive somehow. Uh, I think number 15 will be Burnley, uh, which, if you do not know, is Mr. J.J. Watt's uh, team. He, he bought an ownership stake in them. Uh, they just got promoted from the championship league uh, last season. And I, I think they'll make a good enough run that they stay up. I, I don't see them stopping anytime soon. They had a really good championship league. And I feel like there's enough bad, there's enough worse teams that they'll stay up. Uh Number 17 is Burmouth, and I just think it's because they'll be in a relegation battle again. They, I believe they came 14th or 15th last season, so I, I don't think much will change. They haven't really put any money in. Uh, it, it's just they're going to stay at the bottom, but they'll stay up. Number 18, I think Everton goes down finally. They barely escaped relegation last season. I think they will... Go down to the championship next season. I I don't see them doing any better than what they did uh, last year. I just feel like they got lucked out, and that's all you can really say. They got lucky that they didn't get put back, uh, put down to the championship league. And then the last two, nineteen twenty, both from the championship league will be sent back down to the championship league next season. Sherfield and Ludentown. Um, or Lewin Town. Uh, Lewin's just way too young. Doesn't have enough money at all. They they have to build parts of a new stadium within their old stadium. If you ever look up Lewin Town Stadium, it is basically blocked in by a bunch of houses. It is like there when they got promoted. Um. There were a bunch of videos going out about, you know, how how teams are going to enter and they're going to enter through somebody's backyard. That is quite literally the truth. They will be going through somebody's backyard. There will be a staircase in somebody's backyard that they have to go up. Uh, You know, I I just think it's a great story that they got up to the Premier League. I just don't think they're going to stay up there. And same with... Uh, Sherfield, except, you know, their stadium's nice. They they don't have as quality players. Uh, I just think, you know, usually whoever comes from the championship league, only one or two maybe make it out um, in the lower mid-table the first year. Uh, Usually one or two are being set back down. I don't remember the last time all three from the champion league have, the championship league have been set down um, altogether. But, I definitely think those two were. Uh, But that is my Premier League prediction for this season. I definitely think that's how it's going to go. You know, I'm very excited to watch this season, not only because I want to watch Marcus Rashford a lot and I want to get back into watching it um, because I don't have the best sleep schedule in the world. Right now, if you can believe that, you know, summer and, uh, you know, guy to recharge sometimes. But 
I, I definitely think this is how the season's going to go. And with that, I'm going to take a break. And when we come back, hopefully Mr. Evan Harrington is calling me right now. Uh, but we're going to take, I'm going to take a quick break. And you've been listening to The Blitz on 91.3 FM. Back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM, WBNY. My name's Double D, and I am now joined by Mr. Evan Harrington. How are you, Mr. Evan Harrington? I'm doing good. Um, earlier, I was uh, down in Arcade, New York. Any of the listeners, if you know where that is, I was at Bruce Ridge uh, Golf Course. Played a little 18 over there. Played uh, first nine scramble, uh, the back nine uh going against some of my buddies uh one on one on one. Uh so it was yeah, it's a good time. I was just getting back from uh from Spruce a little bit ago and uh now we're here. So Evan, I, I said this at the beginning of the show. How good of a golfer are you? How good of a golfer am I? So I mean here's um here's how I I can put it, right? Um when you take a look at the average golfer you're basically just looking at a guy that isn't going to mess up too badly. He's the guy, the type of guy you can have as your as your partner in a game of scramble, and he'll have he'll hit a couple shots for you, um, make a couple nice putts, you know, get off the tee on a couple good shots. Uh, once in a while, we'll hit a wedge in the fairway pretty well. Uh, that's kind of me. I'm not too great. Um, I, I mean, I am playing with a little messed up of a knee. I don't think I, I have told anyone yet. Like, I have um, a little messed up of a knee. I can tell you off air what happened. But so I have like a, a brace on my knee, so I'm like not able to like fully get into my swing. And I was playing with new clubs today that I just bought the other night. So, like, I, I'm still figuring myself out as a golfer overall. Uh, but I'd say I'm fairly getting to the point where. I'm getting a little more than average. I'm competent, you know. Most of my shots aren't, you know, too far out of the fairway. All my shots are mostly playable. Um, if I chop on a shot or get over the top of a shot, um, it still makes enough contact to where it's going to go pretty straight. Or if not, like, somewhere that's going to be, like, um, a successful distance. So that would... I, I'd say I'm a pretty fair fair golfer. I'm not too crazy. I'm not anything terrible, but I'm not anything great. Um, that's kind of like my, my position with golf right now, like as my individual self. Like, I think I think we, we played, yeah, so the, the back nine, which was individual, I think I went like 14 over on the back nine, you know, Something like that. So, you know, it is what it is. We we may have to do a thing. I know Joe really likes to golf. We may have to do a you versus Joe golf match at some point. Me, I'll just be there to commentate because, trust me, I don't think 
uh, unless if there's uh you know a comedy movie being filmed i don't think anybody wants me to golf at all uh maybe i'll be like a halftime entertainment and you guys get to laugh in my swing i don't know uh but i i i would definitely like to see you versus joe at some point yeah i mean yeah we could probably do something where um go to go to a course and just you know hit a couple balls play nine holes or whatever and see how that goes you know i mean well i mean we believe we played putt putt a little bit ago right yeah and i did i did man <laughs> i i came last yeah i think i won yeah you won yeah tanner still has the scorecard okay i i think well by that meaning tanner came second i think he only came second by like two and you really like i i know he was ahead in the first nine and then you just brought it back you got like multiple twos in a row and you yeah just... i had i had a decent decent back nine yeah no i i had a couple of those holes where i would be right next to the hole and then i would hit it all the way right and then it would go back down and i would be like why <laughs> why am i doing this with my friends why yeah and the thing i think of like that's so fascinating um about golf for myself is because like i'm not going to sit here and commentate on the game or say it like I know what I'm doing or I know what I'm talking about, but it's, it's just one of those things that like, I feel like everyone or almost everyone in their, in their life picks it up at some point where like, even if it's just something like a, like a, like a hobby they only do for three months or if it's something they get into and run away with, like everyone gets into it at a certain point and then you start playing a couple of times and you realize like, all right, I'm getting, you know, okay at it. All right, I'm gonna start investing a little money in, in you know into golf. So for myself, like I started going to the driving range here and there. I was like, all right, I'll start. I'll you know I'll start playing a you know on a few courses with my buddies. Played um a lot of, a lot at Bobolinks, which is a, a golf course in Orchard Park. It's, it's only a, a par three course, so it's not it's not like a legit course. It's just only par threes. So started playing those a lot, and I think I played one course with my buddies with my old set of clubs, and then as I signed up for a couple events um, through Buff State Hockey, Buff State Athletics, um, and, and other stuff, I was like, you know, I'm going to make the investment because if I'm, you know, spending $30 at a time to go to a course or wherever, you know, I want some decent equipment, right? So... Like the other day, it's when I was, I was like, you know what, I'm I'm finally dialing myself in. I'm gonna go to to Dick's and I'm gonna buy a a like a, a top flight starter set. It's nothing insane uh, investment wise, but it, you know it's three hundred ish bucks for like a starter set. Um, and like that was like my first investment. I, and that's what I think is so like fascinating about about golf because like you start doing it and then boom, it's just like all right, I gotta invest some stuff. I gotta get a better glove. Got to get a driver or like a you know, a, a, a chipping wedge or something like you always like make that investment. Once you start playing a little bit, like someone will get a, a new driver or, or, or like a new putter or whatever. For me, it was just getting new clubs. And I think that's so, so interesting because now like golf over the summer is like something I'll, I'll go do like at least once a week. Right. I'll probably go mm -hmm. twice a week, once at the range and then once on, on a course. Um, and personally, like I enjoy it. I, 
I really think if like if anyone has a chance to get into it, like yeah, get into it. So it's, it's a fun you know thing to start up. Uh, so you know it's good to do with buddies. I mean, whether you're good or not, you know, just like doing it and experiencing it and like actually getting into it, I think is like awesome. Um, and then yeah, just the feeling if you actually ever hit a lucky shot once in a while, it's like the best feeling in the world. Like today, I had like a birdie on the one. It's like I was like, dude, it's like that for me. That's like a hole in one because mm-hmm. <laughs> don't come around too often. Right. Yeah, no, I think the most I've ever invested into golf, I believe when I was really young, I don't even remember the age, I did a golf camp. Like, it it was like a once-a-week thing where it's like we, we would just work on, like, golf mechanics and stuff. I don't even know if it was a camp. It may have, may have been, like, a try-it-out-one-week-see-if-you-like-it type thing. Uh, but I, I believe the most I've ever invested into, you know – golf is 60 bucks at GameStop to play Mario golf. That That is probably as far as I go uh, <laughs> when it comes to golf. I, I, I remember playing once, not to maybe like seven years ago out in Ohio when I was still doing scouts and all that stuff. And one, one of the merit badges is actually golf, uh, shockingly enough. And uh, I... I you know, there, there's a lot of things I, I won't say on air because I think I would get in trouble for them uh, because, man, it was was I not paying attention sometimes while driving that cart, I, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like, I mean, I always, you know, hear these people, whether they're on podcasts or radio stations or any outlet where, you know, you can kind of voice your opinion or voice what you want to talk about and I, I always never understood like like these guys don't even like seem like like they play golf or whatever like they just kind of like you know they talk about hockey or they talk about football or basketball but like they always have a side topic discussion for golf and they're always so fascinated about it and I never really like understood like what they're uh you know what how like why they were so fascinated about it but then you know you get on the course and start playing it for a little bit and you start picking it up and getting better, you know, week by week or session by session, uh, whatever you want to call it. And then, and then you kind of, you like, you figure it out, like you get your eye. Oh, okay. Th- this is why, right. Whether that's watching the PGA or literally just going back on a Sunday morning and just hitting the ball uh, at a range or a course with buddies, like it, you know, it, it's one of the better things to do. And I, and I, you know, it took me a little bit to get into it. Um, probably would have liked to get into it a little younger, whether that's, you know, my teenage years or younger, but, you know, getting into it at the age I'm at now, you know, it's fine. I'm glad I picked it up. I, you know, I think, again, it's like something that's great for everyone to do. Yeah, no, I, I definitely believe that golf is something that you can just do with your buddies to have a good time. I, I mean, if yeah. I would ever get interested in it, that would probably be my reason. Uh, like, yeah, there's so much, you know, unnecessary things people can spend their money on and buy in this world. Like if you're going to do that, might as well spend it on golf, get a little entertainment, fun, bonding, whatever you want to call out of, you know, that experience. Uh, You know, with talking about spending money, there is one thing that I will be spending my money on very soon. And it's mad 24 because you know, why, why not get mad at other people throwing over me? With uh, Tyreek Hill 
and you know uh, Justin Jefferson going up at double team and coming at coming down with it. You know why? Why not? I I love this game, uh, but I I did want to go over the whole uh, Bills uh, ratings, the overalls, uh, and, and I want to see if you agree or disagree with any with them, any of them. So. I'm going from high to low. I'm starting with the highest, going to the lowest. The highest, Stefan Diggs, 96 overall. I think that's fine. I think we all uh, said that's fine. And doesn't that have him ranked as like the fourth highest receiver in the league or something? Yeah, I believe that is. Yeah, that's, you know, fairly right for Stefan Diggs, uh, doing it year in, year out. Um, You've never seen a drop off in his game and probably won't see one for a long, long time. Stefan Diggs again, you know, ever since coming here in 2020, he's been, you know, the anchor uh, to Josh, right? He's been the guy right by Josh's side for the last three seasons. And he only continues to get better. He only continues to get more mature with this team and this offense. And whether that's with his leadership role off the field and on the field, or that's just his playing style on the field. Um, it always seems to get better, and it's going to continue to do that. And Stefan Diggs at a 96 only makes sense. Um, one of the top receivers in the game, he's paid like one, he produces like one, he's respected like one, rightfully so. Uh, second, well, there's actually a tie for second, Josh Allen at a 94, which makes him the third highest QB in Madden. I think that's fine. Again, yeah. Um, Josh had a ninety-four. You said Josh a ninety-four, right? Yep. Yeah, Josh had a ninety-four. I mean, could you make the argument for him being a little higher? Sure, but I got a ninety-four, third highest quarterback in the game. Can't really be mad at that. Um, I think really the only thing that would get Josh higher overall wise, I, I really, I really think it's just getting that MVP and getting the Super Bowl. I, I, I really do. Um, that would be the thing to put Josh over the hump, is getting that, that MVP and getting that Super Bowl, even though technically, in, in my eyes, Josh has won an MVP. He's just played um, against some of the better quarterback seasons in the league. Uh, so his MVP-like seasons don't get respected like an MVP season because the guy ahead of him, whether that's Mahomes or Rodgers, simply just had sensational years and that's going to discredit Josh's season in a little this way. So he's not going to have the, you know, the MVP trophy, but Josh had a 94. You really can't get mad with that. Uh, I wouldn't be mad at this either. Von Miller at a 94 after going down halfway through the season, I guess that name is really carrying him uh, because I, I know they're supposed to go off last season, but I'm happy with Von Miller at 94. Please don't touch that, EA. Yeah, I mean, you can take a look at Von Miller and express the fact that, yeah, his overall probably is a little overboard. Um, Is he rated too high of a player? Sure, you can make the argument. No one's going to tell you. You know, yes or no on that. I mean, I, I if you if you argued Vaughn for being a ninety, I think that'd be fine too. Um, but again, I mean, the reason why Vaughn Miller is a, is a ninety four is um, first his start to last season. He was on pace to have a very very productive year with the Bills. Very 
Scott Kabir, who's going to have over 14 sacks, and the pressures alone were, were going to be insane. And the, the double team rate he was picking up, he was playing very well um, the first part of the season before he went down. Um, but then also, again, yes, name value, but then name value doesn't come from just being a popular name. It, it, it comes from the success and in, in the work and the career that Von Miller has had ever since being drafted in 2011, right? Like, he, he just didn't get drafted, and that name Von Miller stuck around for a decade plus. He was drafted, and that name Von Miller was a name that had to be built up over a decade plus, right? Whether that was Von Miller's countless double-digit sack seasons or Von Miller's Super Bowl 50 heroics, or his recent Super Bowl heroics with the Rams, right? Von Miller has done it season in, season out, decade in, decade out. He's been in the league for over a decade. Like, at that point, like, even if he's given a few overall boosts, like, right, whether that's three or four, I don't think you can be mad at it because, again, the guy that when he hangs it up and he calls it and he calls it quits and everything's said and done, going to be in the Hall of Fame. And you're going to look at his matting ratings over the years, not being mad at a Hall of Famer, getting Hall of Fame ratings. Right. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Then there's uh, two 90s, Jordan Poyer and Tredavious White. Perfectly fine with me. I think uh, the safety and cornerback should be definitely high up. I mean, even if we want to add in Micah Hyde as an 89 uh, to that mix, just get the three the big three quarterbacks out of the way. Why not? Uh, I I definitely think they all deserve high ratings. I, I hope Trey goes up. Uh, I I think last year he was maybe like an 80 or like 88 or something. I hope at some point he becomes like a 95, you know, at some point. Yeah. And um, we'll see. I, I, I really think, uh, Jordan Poyer's in for a big year, right? So maybe his rating goes up a little bit. Um, I think we're going to see a bounce back from Trey White. Um, but, again, Trey White kind of got his overall based on past success, right? Because so, you can't, you couldn't have really judged him last year, right? It's it's really hard to judge Trey White last year as an individual player uh, just because, again, he was coming off an injury, he had to recover literally all all off season and part of, in in most of the season. He didn't have the normal training camp to come into the season. Didn't have the preseason. Didn't have the first part of the year to warm up and get into the swing of things. Right when he came back, he came back. Came right off the recovery. So, and then he, you know obviously played the games that he did. Um, and this is his his first go around back at it again. You know having a full off season. You know, not having to worry about the recovery process, just getting to worry about football. So, I'm sure we're going to see a bounce back season from Trey White. I don't know if it's going to have any indication on his overall, because I think his overall is given based on where he could perform this year. Um, but yeah, the safeties obviously deserve what they you know they get. I mean, they've been doing it for how long again? And a, and a lot of the Bills ratings are are probably given on past success as well, and that's just given to show you how you know, built up the bill to Ben over the past, you know, four, you know, three, four years. Uh, then at 88 overall, we have Matt Milano, Mr. 69 on the top 100 uh, 
top 100 list. I think it fits perfectly well, fine. You know, he is one of the most underrated linebackers out there. Um, I think he's now finally gained the national coverage he deserves, uh, especially with him being number 69 on the top 100 list. I feel like that just, and his rating, just kind of show. They're paying attention. They they know. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time coming, right? Because a couple years ago, Bills fans were, were screaming out their basements. You know, about Matt Milano. Dang, oh, it's underrated. Matt's underrated. You're not giving him the respect he deserves. Whether that's Madden ratings or national media coverage or top 100s or whatever you want to point your finger to about Matt Milano not getting the recognition that he deserved at that time. But now it's coming around for full circle. Um, and a lot of that is, you know, to do with obviously the Bills becoming more prevalent on the national media scale and when that has happened, you gotta you gotta start looking. You're you're forced to, right? Because I mean, obviously with the superstars on offense and Steph and Josh, so that puts us on a pedestal now. And you have to take a look at the Bills, not just offensively but defensively. And you're gonna take a look at it. You're like, all right, well, we've been accustomed to Trey White, and Poyer, and Hyde, but like, like, what else does this team really have? Well, this, this team has a pretty good linebacker. You know, that pretty good linebacker. This past year became a really, really good linebacker, Matt Milano. Matt Milano really turned on the Jets this past season, played his best season of football, and earned everything that he had come in form that year. Um, you know, ridiculous season from 58, um, and he only seems, you know, keep getting better year by year. And, and again, it's great for the Bills, great for Milano. I, you know, 88. It's a good rating. You know, you can't go wrong with it. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. Number we have no eighty sevens through eighty five, uh, so we go all the way down to eighty four, which is one Mister Greg Rousseau. I I think it's a little shocking. He's near the, uh, you know, the tops of the like eighty five because usually eighty five is, I believe, like, you're better than most of the rest. I, I mean, I no, no disrespect to Rousseau, but, I, you know, I, I think this is a little jump in the gun. I mean, he's had good seasons, uh, but I just don't think we've really had the big pop-off yet where he, like, is going for double-digit sacks, and he's, you know, he, he – I don't want to say he doesn't deserve the rating, but I feel like it should be a couple – lower than what it is. Yeah, with Greg Rousseau, um, sure, we haven't seen the big monster years of statistical sack sack numbers yet. Um, you know, he had eight this past year um, in his second season, which, you know, Bill fans were fine with. Um, but the thing with Rousseau is, I, I'm, I don't know, again, I don't know his his all in depth ratings, like his speed, his acceleration. Nobody knows how they do it. Nobody knows. But when you take a look at the, the best edge defenders in the league and you look at the run defending side of things, that's where, where Rousseau really stands out 
I mean, Greg Rousseau is easily the best run defender on the Buffalo Bills on the edge side of things. Um, again, he's got that six foot eight length. He finds a way to, you know, get to the ball carrier, whether that's pushing a lineman back into the play or, you know, using his length and size and agility to get to the play. Um, whether that's inside or out, he always finds a way to, to do it. And, you know, 84, sure. Is it a little high of an overall? Probably, but at the same time, like, you know, the, the Bills are going to get that treatment. They're going to get, you know, three or five players every year that are, you know, going to get three or four overalls, maybe a little higher than they should. But, I mean, that's just the way it is. And then moving on, the Bills have three 83 overalls. Uh, one being Dawson Knox, the second being Gabe Davis, and the third being Teron Johnson. All of them, I think, deserve it. I think all of them deserve that rating. They deserve to be on the edge of elite or not elite, you know. Um, that's definitely where I would place all three of them. I don't have any problems with any of them. Yeah, same here. I don't have the problem with single one of them. Now, here's a little bit of a shocker. You would think this guy has been shown everywhere, uh, you know, really popular in his own right, and, you know, is talked about as one of, probably one of the better left tackles in the league, Deion Dawkins. He's only an 81 overall. He's he's with Ed Oliver in the same boat, 81 overall. Uh, well, I, I, I think we'll get more, at least into my point of, the offensive line just getting completely disrespected. And this is part one of the disrespect. Dion being an 81. You're telling me Dion Dawkins is not an elite left tackle? Like, maybe no, he's not the greatest, but. I don't think he's an elite left tackle at all. I mean, when you think of it, I mean, the Bills' offensive line was horrendous last year, right? So, like, any Madden rating is, like, really coming our way outside of one player pretty fair. Um, I think Dawkins is a fine left tackle. He's not great. He's not bad. He's not horrible. Uh, I'm just going to say it how, how it is. I mean, Dawkins is a lot for the community of Buffalo. Uh, he's a great personality. He does a, you know, a ton around the city. He loves the city, right? You can't ask for a better player to represent yourself um, in those remarks, but when it comes to on-field talent and on-field play, I mean, Dawkins is you're slightly above average left tackle. He's the type of guy that you pay a contract to and you don't really have to worry about it. But at the same time, you're not really looking to upgrade. You're not, you know, panicking. But, you know, he's just an all right left tackle. There's nothing about it. I mean, 81's, you know, fairly fine. Now, the the next overall, the 79s, because there's three 79s. One is TB Bass. Uh, the other one is Damian Harris, which I'm, shocking, which I'm shocked he's so high up in the sense that he got hurt last season and you didn't see much of him. But the third one, where I think there's a lot of disrespect, Mitch Morse. And Mitch Morse has always been a really solid center. I mean, you can look at all the games that he has not played for the Bills, and I feel like the Bills are just not comfortable when he is not the center. Uh, I I think that he's been in the league a long time. He's been a really good center. Uh, I, I think he at least deserved 80-something. Like, he, he didn't have to be, like, just on the cu- on the edge, like, Mitch isn't that bad, EA. Come on. 
Yeah, that's the one where I think it's a little disrespectful is Mitch Morris. Um, I really think Mitch Morris has cemented himself as one of the more reliable, dependable veteran centers in the NFL. And obviously playing his first, you know, stint in Kansas City and then coming over to Buffalo, um, you know, a few seasons ago, he's been Josh, Han- Josh Allen's center, um, you know, for the longest time now, and they've built a great chemistry, and you've never really seen Mitch Morse um, make too many mistakes. I mean, Morse is really good in the pin-and-pull run game. He's, you know, very sound and reliable as a pass blocker, um, and he does his job very well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 79, it, it's a little disrespectful, but, like, at the most, you'll probably see, like, Morse at, like, an 83 at the highest. So, like... You know, it, I mean, it is what it is. But, yeah, I, I mean, I would like to see Morse, at least in the in the 80s, low 80s, wherever you can fit him in there. And just to get this out, you've been listening to Blitz on 91.3 FM, WBNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. And we're back to the Madden Rings, of course. Uh, there's 78 is a one Leonard Floyd. Uh, and then there's only 177 in Taylor Rapp, both the Rams uh, signings. I I just think that it's deserved there. I think that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong. I mean, Taylor Rapp is technically the backup strong safety. So, I mean, to him, for him to have like a way lower rating than, you know, Poyer Hyde, uh, makes sense. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess in a in the hindsight of things, when you when you look around, you know, the the Bills roster, um, whether that's starting, you know, defensive you know, defensive players or the rest of the offense and other, you know, pass catchers or running backs, whatever. Um Yeah, you see like Taylor Rapp, he's got like that type of overall. I mean I mean it just shows you like the type of player that's brought it, right? Yes, Taylor Rapp isn't going to see the field too often, defensively at least. But, like, he was a very good player for the Rams, a very sound player, a very reliable player. Um, Good enough that the Bills brought him in, even if if it's a backup role. They have an idea, an uh, an idea for him. You know, they're probably in some, you know, defensive packages, whether that's, you know, with five DBs or maybe he's a weak side linebacker here or there whatever. You never know. Um, yeah, I, I really like Taylor Rapp. I, I'm really intrigued to actually see what the Bills do with Rapp this year because it's kind of like, kind of like almost like having Isaiah McKenzie like like on offense, right? Like, when the Bills had him, you know, here for about four years, I mean, again, McKenzie, like, you never knew what was going to what it's going to do. It's like, oh, are we going to hand it off to McKenzie or are we going to, you know, do a jet sweep? Or where is he going in motion? Are we going to throw him a screen behind, you know, the line of scrimmage? But that's like what's going to go on the defensive side of the ball. It's like, oh, is Rapp going to play nickel corner or is Rapp going to play a rotational safety? Is he going to line up as a linebacker in the box? Like, is he on a blitz? Like, you, you don't know – what you can do with Rap? Uh, well, offenses don't know what you're going to do with Rap just because he's you know he's such a diverse player, um, and he's a player I want to watch more film on. So I'm excited to see what they do with him. Yeah, no, I I definitely think you've kind of said what I think about Taylor Rap. I think he's a very exciting player to see what they're going to do with. Um, moving on to the 76s, 
the first 76 is Dalton Kincaid. Hasn't played a single down in the NFL, but he is a 76. Uh, second is Daquan Jones. Third is Kyir Elam. Fourth is Latavius Murray. Fifth is Puna Ford. And there's actually two more after that. Reggie Gilliam and Sam Martin. Lot of 76s. I am shocked Puna Ford is down so far. Uh, same with Daquan Jones. I thought they both had good seasons within their own rights. And Puna Ford, I mean, even though we haven't seen him play for the Bills yet, we saw how much money he could have gotten during free agency, and he decided to sign a way cheaper contract with the Bills. Maybe some disrespect on the defensive tackles. I think the defensive ta- I think Daquan does a great job at what he does, being kind of like yep. drawing the double team, and this is kind of a, a little disrespect. Yeah, and, um, you know, I mean, you mentioned we haven't seen Puna Ford uh, playing a Bills uniform yet, but, I mean, we've, well, some people have seen, but we heard, like, he had the pick six the other day in, in practice. Like, we've seen him make plays already. Um, well, some people, at least, I'm still waiting on that video, uh, the social media series. So I want to see the Puna Ford pick six um, from training camp. But, yeah, I mean, uh, whether that's Daquan Jones or, you know, Tim Settle's still on this roster. Puna Ford's brought in. He's more likely than not going to be a very impactful player. Uh, still have Jordan Phillips. Uh, you know, he's still dealing with his injury um, as he's on the pup list. But, like, there's just a really good unit here, you know, in the defense tackle room. I think I think a lot better than last year. Um, because, again, you know, you brought in guys like, like Tim Settle to be, like, a, a very big player. But now he doesn't have to be. Um, he can just be a guy that can come in and do his job. Doesn't have to worry about playing a bigger role. That role is going to be filled up by guys like Puna Ford, right? Um, so I, I like that. I really, I really like the defense tackle room. And I mean, the ratings are what they are, but right, yeah. If I worked at EA, I think I would make every bill a ninety-nine, and they would be, "What the heck is this? Uh, why, why do you do this?" Uh, because it's the Buffalo Bills. They're all ninety-nines, uh, but. The 75s are Boogie Basham, James Cook, and you're, you know, you may not be able to see him on the field this year, but you can play with him in Madden. It's Naheem Hines. You get to play with him in Madden. You don't have to have the uh, kick returner and punt return battle like the Bills are right now in training camp. Yeah, what, what, sorry, cut out there. What is Hines overall again? Uh, 75. He's with James Cook and Boogie. Yeah, I mean, James Cook's probably an overall. I'd like to see get up a little higher, but I get it. Um, just because, again, haven't seen much of Cook yet, but it is what it is. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And then uh, 74 overall, the first one is Connor McGovern. Then we have Deontay Hardy. And Jordan Phillips and Ryan Bates. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, interesting player there. Obviously, um, you mentioned two players: Connor McGovern, Ryan Bates. Uh, two guys that have been in the league for a few years now. Uh, both have earned contracts, multi-year contracts themselves. Um, Connor McGovern is a little, you know, getting getting paid a little more than Ryan Bates. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, McGovern probably could be a little more or a few more, a few more higher up, uh, overall higher up. But, I mean, really, again, the line has to prove themselves, uh, prove themselves whether that's uh, new guys coming in this season or guys that are, you know, have been here in the past. Like, the line's got to, you know, protect Josh better. And, you know, once they protect Josh better, yes, we'll see the overalls get slightly better. Um just because, like, again, the line was bottom eight last year in the NFL. It, it wasn't good. They didn't hold themselves up at all. So, like, yes, their play is going to reflect their Madden ratings and vice versa. Now, that's really all I wanted to go over, the Madden ratings for the Bills. I mean, there's, of course, more. There, If you go on EA.com, uh, they'll have the Madden ratings all over the place. You can filter it to just see the Bills. But the the one position that is very key in Madden that the pills are are outrageously low and for a good reason uh middle linebacker you know you if you find Tremaine Edmonds and you see him in Chicago uh i believe he's in 87 this year and if you go to the bills middle linebackers I hope you like playing with a 68 overall a 65 and a 64 and that order, it's Dorian Williams, Tyrell Dodson, and Bale Inspector. So if you if you play Madden and you like a user, you are not going to be using Dorian Williams, Tyrell Dodson, or Bale Inspector as your middle linebacker. But I, I always that that is just one position. I'm like, dang, they really got the Bills down low in that one. Yeah, and like again, like the Buffalo Bills um, offensive line, or you know, uh, not offensive line, you know, ratings for that part is going to be a little different at the linebacker position, um, you know, just because Tremaine Edmonds is gone, and it's really like a new, the new chapter, right? You really don't know what you're going to get, you know, what you're going to expect from the Bills' middle linebacker position, just because the Bills have been very fortunate. Um, to have five seasons of Tremaine Edmonds, right? Tremaine Edmonds barely ever left the field, and if it ever was, it was for injury. Edmonds always played 100% of the snaps every single game that he could have. Um, and now, you know, we don't have that anymore. So, obviously, we know um, guys like Terrell Bernard um, and Balin Spector and Terrell Dotson are, you know, some of the guys that are fighting for that middle linebacker position in camp. Um, throughout the first few days. Um, and then, obviously, at the backup spot, Dorian Williams is kind of playing back upside to Milano. Um, so so for that overall, I mean, you know, those guys' ratings are going to be a lot lower. Um, and that's not anything – that's not a disrespect thrown to or towards them. It's just we don't have any, you know, real in-game footage, really, on, on Dotson or Spectre or Bernard. I mean, it seems very limited of it. Um, a couple of years ago, we saw, you know, a couple of games of Terrell Dotson at middle linebacker, but that was barely anything, right? wasn't one, wasn't much at all. We've seen Balin Specter in preseason, and that goes to Terrell Bernard as well. Like we've barely seen these guys uh, zip it up, uh, you know, in their uniforms and their pads on an NFL field in actual season games. So, you know, I mean, once. Those get, once whoever takes over at the middle linebacker position next to Milano suits up and gets into things, yeah, yeah, we'll probably see, you know, their ratings go up once in a while. 
Yeah, and uh, with that, I want to take a quick break. And when we come back, I think we'll talk about the NFL training camp. We'll talk about Bill's training camp. We'll talk about Jonathan Taylor, Jalen Ramsey, all that other stuff that's going around today. Uh, Former Bill breaking his arm. Uh, So stick around and keep listening to The Blitz on 91.3 FM. Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM. My name's still Double D, still joined by Evan Harrington. And we're going to talk about some training camp and other things that are happening around the league. Uh, Evan, I, I noticed at some point uh, Buffalo Fanatics said that you were at training camp. I mean... No, uh, I wasn't at training camp. Oh, you weren't? No. Oh, I thought you were. No. I, I was like, I was so ready to get your thoughts. Oh, wow. Okay. Never mind then. I'm wrong. Uh, but I think the big news, uh, one of the big pieces that happened uh, was that Jalen Ramsey do, decided to have a full-on collision. Uh, maybe not full-on collision. I don't think the hit ever got released or the collision ever got released with Tyree Kill. Uh, but they at least banged knees and uh, it, it made Jalen Ramsey now have to get a surgery and to fix his meniscus and be out at least until December. Uh, that is a big loss for the Dolphins in any way, shape, form, you know. And because of that, they had to sign, or they didn't have to, but because of it, they signed Eli Apple to a one-year contract. Uh, I don't think Eli Apple is like Jalen Ramsey in any way possible. Uh, but, you know, uh, if, if you like to compare them and how much they get burnt by wide receivers, they're probably very similar. Uh, <laughs> Evan, what are your thoughts on Jalen Ramsey's injury and then the Dolphins bring in Eli Apple? Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, from you know, an NFL fan's perspective and looking at the Dolphins from that point of view, like, obviously, you know, you know, the acquisition of of bringing in Jalen Ramsey is going to be huge, right? Um, Jalen Ramsey's still one of the top corners in the game, whether, you know, people like him or not, he, he still plays a physical brand of football, um, still can stay with the best of them. Yeah, you know, he's had a couple up and down moments over the past couple of years, but every corner has. Um, in losing a guy like that's going to, you know, obviously change the direction of things for the Miami Dolphins defense a little bit because, you know, coming into the season, you were going to rely on a very formidable cornerback duo that was, you know, getting ready to shape up in Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey. But now you don't have that. Um, and that's obviously a big blow to the Dolphins, a massive blow. And, you know, Ramsey will come back, but at the same time, it's, it's, you know, I mean, you it's almost like the Tredavious White situation. It's a little different because uh, Tredavious White literally had to rehab all year, and his injury was, you know, a lot more serious than Jalen Ramsey's. But at the same time, Jalen Ramsey was coming to a new team, so he doesn't get to build all that com- camaraderie on the field um, with his defensive, you know, 
backfield and his pass rush and his defensive coordinator and, and everything that, you know, goes aligned with building, you know, chemistry on the defense. Um, and he's going to have to, you know, focus on his rehab, focus on himself until he gets ready come back. So he doesn't get to do that throughout training camp preseason, the whole nine yards. So I think that's a really big miss for himself and the Dolphins. You don't get the true version of Jalen Ramsey, right? The version of Jalen Ramsey you're going to get when he comes back is the guy that's coming back from a recovered injury. Um, You're not getting the guy that would have been around for all those months and that time and stuff like that. So it's definitely a blow to the Dolphins. And yeah, I mean, them bringing in Eli Apple, any team would have to bring in a player like Eli Apple. Yes, Eli Apple you know, runs his mouth, talks his talk. Once in a while, he'll walk his walk, but he doesn't really uh, all the time. But, yeah, Eli Apple coming in, I mean, as a physical player on the field, I mean, you're getting an all-right depth piece piece, uh, that's going to probably have to fill in for a little bit um, until Ramsey gets back. So, I mean, from that perspective, yeah, it isn't the worst. Um, You know, Eli Apple still can make plays, but he's also going to – you know, allow plays to happen that you'll see on your your Instagram or your TikTok or whatever, <laughs> your TV, uh, just because that's something he's been accustomed to over the past little bit. But, you know, I mean, credit um, to the Dolphins, uh, you know, you know, management and stuff like that, being able to react quickly and bring in a guy like Eli Apple to recover. I mean, because, I mean, at the same time, they could have had to rely on a rookie or an undrafted player. But, no, you know, go on and get a veteran depth signing, uh, you know, Good reaction time by the Miami front office. And especially it happened during training camp, so you don't really have the huge worry if it's like it's not during a game or anything. You can still, you know, work up Eli Apple. Eli Apple can still learn the system. Maybe it's in a little less time than you like, but, you know, you still got the three weeks of the preseason. You, you still have the rest of training camp. I don't think... There's going to be a, it's really, it comes down to Eli Apple's ability um, to either be really great or to be really horrible. Um, honestly, in my opinion, he is the dollar store version of Jalen Ramsey. Uh, you know, likes to talk smack, uh, you know, gets burnt by a lot of receivers a couple of times, uh, you know, has about the same skill set, but, you know, Jalen's just better at being able to shut down wide receivers. Apple, not so much. Um, The other, I I think, really huge thing uh, that happened, you know, maybe just a week ago now, uh, since we're talking about it, is the Sean Payton comments. I think it has been one of the... I don't want to say it's one of the most disrespectful things ever said in the NFL. And it's not disrespectful that he said it, but it's more at like who he went after. He was just throwing disrespect over like it was, uh, you know, free candy. Like you get disrespect, you get disrespect, you get disrespect. Um, You know, just straight up quoting Sean Payton. Uh, He said, it might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history. Everything I heard about last season, we're doing the opposite. Um, You know, that's just a little quote from it. But he really dug into Hackett and, you know, even the GM 
and the manager, like the the owners, not the current owners, but the last owners, uh, you know, saying that it was just horribly put together. It wasn't well run. It wasn't all Russell Wilson's fault. Um, you know, a lot of blame goes to a lot of other people. Um, I I don't know if Sean Payton realized he has to work with the GM that he made comments about, but. Um, <laughs> I, I do wonder how, how much of a discussion they had together after those comments. Um, uh, I, I mean, what did you think about those comments right as they came out? Yeah, I mean, I, you definitely, when you hear another coach, um, start talking about another one, you start getting, you, you start questioning things through, you know, whether, whether Sean Payton's right or wrong, I don't think it was the exact way to go about things. I don't, I don't think Sean Payton um needed to talk about um in depth like he did uh the stuff he said about Nathaniel Hackett um necessarily is he wrong i mean depends the point of view you look from it uh i'll i'll talk about the other point of view in a second but if you look from the point of view of the record the broncos had the expectations the broncos had um the quarterback they brought in the the contract they they gave him the players they brought in to surround you know Russell Wilson and everything. Yeah, I mean, yes, you you could say it from that perspective that Nathaniel Hackett failed and it was one of the worst coaching jobs in a, a particular set of games in a, in the last 10, 15 years. Sure, from that point of view perspective, you can talk about it. Um, but at the same time, there, I'm sure there's a lot behind the scenes that went on that, that we fully, as fans or insiders or coaches or out players on other teams like didn't know um and then obviously um Aaron Rodgers responded to it um the other day uh defending Nathaniel Hackett um with uh, I'm pretty sure Peter Schrager asked him asked him about it and Rodgers defended um Nathaniel Hackett saying he's arguably the the best coach I've ever ever played under um, said tons of great things about Nathaniel Hackett. Um, and then he basically told Sean Payton, like, eat my coach's name out of your mouth, kind of like the Will Smith thing uh, to Chris Rock when, you know, when he slapped him at the award show saying, keep my wife's name out of your mouth, yeah. uh, something along the line for the quote. So that's what it kind of reminded me of. Um, but, you know, looking from that point of view, like, yeah, from the player's point of view, like Aaron Rodgers um, – like, he knows the type of coach Nathaniel Hackett is, and obviously he's over with New York now. Um, but, so, like, that's the thing. Like, is Nathaniel Hackett a bad coach? I don't know. I mean, Aaron Rodgers thinks he's a great coach. Uh, Broncos fans don't think he's a great coach. A lot of NFL fans probably don't think he's a great coach. But, you know, it's really from the opinion base, like the viewpoint base um, and stuff like that. Personally, like, I'd probably side with the player. If, you know, I mean, if I think of a four-time MVP and a Super Bowl champion and are undoubtedly a top-five quarterback of all time and Aaron Rodgers thinks that this guy's a good coach, I'm probably going to think that he's a good coach um, just because that guy's had so much success. This guy knows the type of coach that can create success. Um, so that's where I, I kind of view that, um, view, view things from, uh, with Nathaniel Hackett at least, uh, as a coach. Um, I think he just had a bad stint in, in Denver. Uh, I, I really do. I don't think he's a great coach by any means, because I think a great coach would have been able to do a little bit better with that. But 
I don't think he's a bad coach or anything. I mean, we, we've seen good coaches or all right coaches, you know, have some terrible seasons. But um, for Sean Payton to go out there and just make the comments he did about Nathaniel Hackett like that and attacking the past season, um, he could have went about it in a different way. He could have said, obviously, last year was not a great year in the building and all that stuff, not just directly attacking one guy because it's so easy to, to blame one guy and Sports. Oh, he didn't blame uh, one guy. He blamed team. everybody. He he just said the yeah. whole organization was yeah. just not yeah. right. Yeah, but like like when you say like one of the worst coaching jobs, like you're basically almost pinpointing one guy at that point. Well, it kind um, of was even even yeah. Well, I was saying like even like you know you're just pinpointing one guy and like I don't know as an NFL head coach, do I think it's like fully appropriate to make this comments? I don't know. I, I wasn't I, the biggest fan of the comments, but... I, I think Nathaniel Hackett is a fine offensive coordinator. I think he's done great as an offensive coordinator. But you give a guy Russell Wilson, Jerry Judy, uh, Cortland Sutton... I know Javante Williams got hurt uh, midway through the season, but you're telling me you couldn't win more games with that? I mean, it, it's embarrassing, and, and I think... Sean was I, I'm shocked Sean didn't mention this when he was making all those comments. They the Broncos got pulled off prime time. How many times do you yeah. see a team get pulled off prime time? And especially because they were facing the Kansas City Chiefs. They were facing Patrick Mahomes. They were so bad. They're like, this isn't a game anybody wants to watch because we all know Mahomes is gonna just destroy them. Um I I think Hackett is a fine offensive coordinator. I don't think he will ever get in another head coaching job. And if he does, it it has to be a complete 180, you know, from his time in Denver. I mean, I I think it, it, it may end up like he's the next Josh McDaniels in a way. And I know a lot of people will say, oh, how is he going to be like Josh McDaniels? Well, Josh McDaniels is not a good head coach at all. I mean, uh, you know, he's not the the worst in the world, but he's also not a guy who can get you to the playoffs. He's had multiple years with multiple teams, and he just hasn't gotten over the hump. But he, when he's offensive coordinator, he's he's a great offensive coordinator. I think he's... He's a really smart guy. He he can put plays together. He can do things well. But can he be a head coach? I don't think he can. I mean, we'll see how he does this year with the Raiders and, you know, having Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, of course, Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones on the defense. We'll see how that all goes, especially in a very tough division, um, maybe even ramped up more now with Sean Payton being, I want to win now, and, you know, I came back for a Super Bowl because I don't think there was any other reason for him to come back other than probably the money that he's going to be getting and uh, the chance to win a Super Bowl, and he thinks he can do it with Denver. So I I definitely think that whole, I I know we talked about it, you know, last year where um, the AFC West seemed impossible to, like, who the heck's going to win, who's going to, like, you know, that big, gigantic golem in the middle, like, you're just looking at it and you're like, oh, geez, you have a lot of talent in you. And then it turned out to be the same old, same old Chiefs win the division, Chargers make, uh, you know, a playoff stink, make it to the wild card, and then Denver and Raiders miss out 
or no, the Raiders made it last year. Sorry, the Raiders made it last year. I forgot about that. Um, last year? Did they make it last year or the year no, before? No, they made it the year, the year before. They okay, they made it the year before. I got. Remember they bring in Josh McDaniels and yeah, that's right. Devontae that's right. Adams and no, Derek Carr got before. benched at the end yeah. of the year. No, I got confused there for a minute. Uh, but either way, I mean, they still came, but you know, third and fourth respectfully. I think this year it may be where you know n- n- not there's not this big media buildup like last year. So I definitely think this year it could definitely happen where there's this big Goliath because I always feel like whenever the media blows something big up, you know, like the Bills going to the Super Bowl and being the big Super Bowl team, you don't have that talk right now. You know, when the Browns had Baker Mayfield and they made it to the playoffs that uh, one year, the next year they were like big Super Bowl favorites that they were going to win the whole thing. That, of course, didn't happen. Um, and then you had the uh, the whole West buildup last year with the media. That didn't happen. I just feel like whenever the media focuses, like mainly, you know, ESPN and NFL Network focus in on something and make it way bigger than it needs to be, it all crumbles apart. <laughs> and, and whenever the focus gets shipped off because, you know, something new is happening, like the Jets with Aaron Rodgers and all that, you know, that's when they like get built up and they look amazing and they're like, Oh, why didn't we talk about this at the beginning of the season? Oh, because you talked about it last year and it failed horribly for you. Yeah. Um, the thing that I, I, that I think the, the media highlighting, um, a division or players or a certain organization, um, every year. And, and then if it, if it crumbles and everyone points like, Oh, that's why I don't want my, my team to get highlighted by the media. I think it's so easy to kind of say that because, right, there, there's there's 32 NFL teams, right? Only one team wins it every year, right? And if that team isn't highlighted, people are say, oh, look at that team that isn't highlighted. Well, there was 30 other teams that weren't highlighted as well, and their season crumbled in some way. They didn't win the chip, right? So I think it's so easy to say, like, oh, we see something getting want, get, you know, wanting to get built up, and then it just falls, and it doesn't happen. Well, I think that, like, we only say that because, like, we see it all the time, and it's one singular thing. So it's very easy for that thing to fail, right? Whether that was the Bills supposed to win the Super Bowl, like, right? It's not getting the Bills win the Super Bowl. So if the media covers them saying they're favorites and they don't win, yeah, it's pretty easy for them to fail and do it because it's very hard to win the Super Bowl. Only one of 32 teams wins, right? Or if an MVP bet. How many players can win the MVP in the NFL? One guy doesn't win it. Of course you're going to say it's a failure and it blew up because everyone saw it. Everyone had their eyes on it. But at the same time, it's very easy for it to blow up because it's one singular item or like a division, right? There's eight divisions in the NFL. It's very easy for one to be very good and one to be very subpar. And it's one division. Like it's one singular item. So like when you see it, yeah, more likely than not, 20 out of 20 times, or 19 out of 20 times that thing that the media wanted to build up isn't going to happen because it's one singular thing and one singular thing, you know, being predicted to happen is very easy to fail. I mean, it's, it's the same length of trying to go win the lottery or placing a bet on sports. It's one singular thing. The odds of you hitting it, the odds of you predicting it are very low, right? That's why it's a prediction, you know? And yes, are they, if people show a lot of media limelight and a lot of attention and a lot of eyeballs are going to be put on it and it doesn't hit, yes, of course, people are going to say, oh, yeah. I mean, 
they shouldn't have got the attention, blah, blah, blah. But that could be said about 35 different things that happen in any other league um, across North American sports just because, again, it's one item. It's very easy to foul, whether that's, again, division, player, team, whatever you want to call it. And then really, the I think the last thing that really took over, has been taking over this week, at least of right now, is the Jonathan Taylor trade request uh, after a meeting with Jim Ursay uh, and everything about Ursay coming out. I mean, I even have uh, some quotes from Ursay, which I, I don't think should ever come out of, you know, an owner's mouth. Uh, like, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. We know that. The National Football League rolls on. It doesn't matter who comes and who goes, and it's a privilege to be part of it. And then uh, Albert Breer got a text from Jim Irsay about Jonathan Taylor's trade request, uh, and it states, We're not trading Jonathan. End of discussion. Not now and not in October. And Jonathan Taylor is not... I, I don't think, I well, we all know he's not happy about the comments Ursay has made about running backs in the past and how much money they should be getting. You know, Jonathan Taylor is an elite running back. He is really the key offense offensive player on that team. I mean, I don't think if you have Jonathan Taylor, that offense is as great as it was when, you know, they made the playoffs with Phillip Rivers or... Um, even last year when they had like a glimpse of hope here and there, it was mainly because of Jonathan Taylor. Um, I I feel like they're both Jim Irsay. I just think is a jerk in his own right. Um, but you know, Jonathan Taylor now wanting more wants to get out, and Jim Irsay is like, no. I I mean, what are your whole whole thoughts on Jonathan Taylor trying to get out of Indy? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously it's stated that the Colts owner, Colts owner Jim Irsay, doesn't want to pay Jonathan Taylor um, after this contract. And his contract only has one more year on it. Him being a second-round pick a few years ago, he doesn't have a fifth-year option um, that a first-round drastic would. So Taylor doesn't have that luxury. Um, but at the same time, you know, the running back market, where is that? What's the current state of it? That's uh, you know the, been the big topic of discussion, um, really over the last two weeks. Um, when talking about guys like Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, uh, these are guys that have gotten franchise tagged, and Jonathan Taylor's you know one of those next wave of guys to be in, in in said discussion. Whether yeah he'll be a free agent next year, but will he be franchise tagged right, or will he be let let to walk? But Jonathan Taylor wants the extension, so you know he wants to be traded. Wants to be traded to a team that'll probably give him an extension this year, um, and Ursay won't give him that extension. Um, do I blame Ursay for not giving him the extension? No, I, I don't, because I, I don't, I don't think it's very fair to pay running backs. I mean, the Colts could get away with paying a running back because um, right now they have a quarterback on a, team, on a you know first year contract, and having a guy like Jonathan Taylor with a rookie quarterback and a you know second third year quarterback at the time of Richardson. Um, would be would be smart. Um, so if the Colts gave him a two three year deal, I don't I don't think you're shooting yourself in the foot there, right? It's something you can get away with if you're paying him a little more money than the average market. Um, 
but then obviously there was there was reports uh, that the Colts could place Jonathan Taylor on the on the non-injury football list, right? Because of a injury that sustained outside of football, and if they did that, that would have put Taylor contract until next year, and they wouldn't have had to pay him this year. Um, but then obviously um, we saw Taylor deny those rumors. He's like, I never had a, rep- I never reported back pain or or whatever it was to the trainers, and that's just like a bunch of whatever. Uh, so right now, I mean, it, it, what what goes on? I mean. With Josh Taylor, I mean, I don't blame him for wanting out. I don't blame the owner, uh, Jim Irsay, for not wanting to pay him. But overall, Jim Irsay's comments and the way he's went about it, um, not the way you'd want to go about things as an owner. Um, but, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, if Taylor gets somehow gets traded, like, you're getting a top end back that's still very young. And I think Jonathan Taylor got uh, a slap of reality once Ursay made those comments, I mean, he wants to win at some point. And I don't think now he's realizing he's not going to be able to probably win with the Colts with how Ursay is. I mean, Ursay's willing to pay some people, but with others, it's like he won't put the money in. Or, um, you know, he doesn't want to uh, give fair chances sometimes. I mean, we saw that with Frank Reich and... You know, every year he had to get a new quarterback. And, you know, maybe that was Ursay's decision not to draft a quarterback and say, no, I like the veteran guys. You know, because at the end of the day, whatever Jim says, it's going. Because he owns that team. He pays who he wants. Um, and I I just think in some ways he is going to destroy the Colts franchise by himself. I, I mean, we already saw a little little hint of it by him hiring his uh, drinking buddy last year uh, as interim head coach. Uh, um, so I, I think maybe he could be the next, you know, if, if there's ever a chance that, you know, the owners don't want him around, that he's the next one to go with all of the comments he's been making and because he's the most talkative owner out there other than Jerry Jones, most likely. And, and that's just because Jerry Jones likes the media and he likes being the center of attention. But, you know, you notice Jerry Jones stays very positive. Jim Irsay is going to give you what he feels and he does not care the repercussions. Uh, I, I don't know if, the you know, at some point maybe he'll cross a line. I mean, who knows? I, I think this was a, a, a little bit like a drawing a line in the sand of what he feels, but... I don't think he's jumped over the line yet. Uh, You know, it might be like the Looney Tunes uh, where, you know, Bugs keeps jumping over the line until uh, they reach the cliff, then he falls off the cliff. Uh, So maybe at some point, who knows? But, uh, you know, another big NFL uh, signing happened where, uh, Daniil Hunter decided to stay on a one-year deal with the Minnesota Vikings for over $20 million. Uh, $17 million of it is fully guaranteed. Uh, and that means he also gets a no franchise tag or transition tag provision. So that means next year he 
is a free agent for sure. Minnesota cannot say, okay, we want to keep you for a year and then keep you for another year with this franchise tag because um, and it's really smart of him for him to do that. And uh, maybe he got some help from that with uh, Kirk Cousins saying, get the provision. They've done it to me too many times uh, when he was with Washington all those years ago. Uh, but I, I think it's a good signing for him. Uh, $20 million is not anything to joke about and that he's able to get more money or get what he thinks he deserves next year with uh, a, a contending team or a team that can pay him boatloads like uh, Atlanta or Chicago. I, I definitely think it, it, this was smart by him and his agent. Yeah, I mean, uh, Daniel Hunter's been a guy that's been very productive for the Vikings over his time in Minnesota. And, you know, the salary that, you know, he was presented to get this year um, wasn't up to his liking, and he wanted a new contract, and he got one. You know, the one-year $20 million. Uh, You know, he's battled a little bit of injury issues over the, the last couple of years, but and when this guy's healthy and he's on the field for a full season, I mean, you're you're getting one of the best edge rushers in the game. Uh, and, and the Vikings defense needs that, reassuring that Daniel Hunter will be there and he won't, you know, sit out for how many other games or want to request a trade or whatever, you know, any way he can get out of the organization. He won't do that now because uh, of the contract extension, uh, you know, the one year. $20 million deal. So, uh, you know, goodbye to the Vikings management, the Vikings off, um, you know, front office. You're, you're, you know, keeping a guy, um, you know, under contract for at least one more year that's going to play a pivotal part um, in whether the Vikings do well or not this year. And, you know, the core of, you know, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and Madison and, and you know, Hunter and Smith, and Ken, you know, everyone that they got there is only going to last so long. So, you know, well, obviously besides besides Jefferson, Jefferson's going to be around forever. Um, but, you know, got to make the most of it with what you can. And then there have been a bunch of injuries coming out over the past two days, um, at least mostly over in the West. Uh, both Kenneth Walker and... Uh, rookie running back Zach Chabernet, uh of the Seattle Seahawks both have injuries. Uh, Kenneth Walker has a groin injury, uh, while Chabernet has a shoulder injury. Both are out for a while, it seems. Uh, you know, Chabernet is out indefinitely, and Pete Carroll said about Kenneth Walker that he will be or could be out a while. Um, and then today with Denver, uh, Tim Patrick got carted off the field. Most likely, a um, it was a non-contract contact injury, so it, it's most likely an ACL uh, at the least. And uh, you know, he got carted off the field at practice. And then another uh, Denver wide receiver put out a post on Instagram. Uh, KJ Hamler saying that uh, he has uh, heart irritation and um, that he's going to take a little break to get better. And the 
Broncos are going to be releasing him on uh, the, of course, the uh, non-football illness designation. So, um, you know, they're probably going to bring him back later, but uh, Hamler says condition isn't overly serious and he's expected to miss weeks, not months. So uh, that that will probably be a guy they may put on the practice squad until he gets healthier. You know, they're just going to release him now, save the time. Uh, he'll be out there for a while. You know, nobody else is probably going to pick him up. I, I mean, Evan, what do you think about all the injuries happening today and yesterday? Uh, I mean, obviously the... the... Injuries that take place around the NFL, you know, are always going to happen. Um, and, you know, you know, it stinks. Um, and it's, you know, it's a bad spot for any of these, you know, athletes on any teams that go through the injuries because you don't want to see these guys go down. You want to see every team going into an NFL season at 100%, if not very close to. Um, but, you know, some teams are going to get banked up. I mean, like, uh, I mean, look at the offseason injury. Naheem Hines gets hit with a jet ski. Um, stationary, right? Like, you can't time those things up or, you know, we see Tim Patrick most likely is an ACL injury. He'll be out for the entire season again, right? It's back-to-back years for him. Uh, it's stuff like that. Or Jalen Ramsey, like, you don't want to see this stuff happen. Uh, Garrett Wilson, you know, suffered a... I'm pretty sure he has a sprained ankle. Like, he'll be out for a little bit, nothing crazy. Joe Burrow, you know, the calf strain... It just happened the other day. Like, you don't want to see this stuff happen. Like, we saw Josh Allen get injured in practice today. It was very minimal. But they tried the Philly special, and Josh Allen, I'm pretty sure, got hit by Taron Johnson at the catch point of the play. Like, and it, and it happened. Like, stuff like this is just going to happen. Uh, I mean, injuries or banged-up players or whatever, you know, goes on uh, from team's practice. Yeah, it's going to stink, but, like, it just happens. And, you know, have to persevere through it, I guess. Yeah, I mean... I I definitely think that's why, you know, when Naheem Hines got injured, that's why the Bills signed Andy Isabella, and they even worked out Nikhil Harry, uh, which are, like, two scary names to hear, and not that, you know, they're bad, but, you know, they're not, they're not like, the names you want to hear when you're looking at somebody. Uh, Andy Isabella, who, you know, the last team he was on was – the Baltimore Ravens practice squad and Nikhil Harry, where he's never really had any success anywhere in the NFL. And he was, uh, I believe a second round pick for new England, maybe even the late first. Um, and it just didn't work out for him in new England. And I think he went to the bears last year and it didn't work out for him there either. So it, it was a little worrying to see those names as, you know, the Bills now have to worry about a kick returner and a punt returner, and that means one wide receiver, either while it being Shakir or Sherfield or whoever they think can fit the role, will now probably be just designated to kick and punt returns, and they need to sign another wide receiver just to take the place or even just you know, the receiver just to get some film and see if they can, you know, work something out with him on special teams. Um, I, I mean, what what did you think of the Andy Isabella signing? Um, 
obviously, as of right now, uh, you only know so much about it just because it took place a couple days ago, and camp's still rolling in, so everyone's kind of still building themselves up uh, throughout camp, and then a couple days in camp, you bring in Isabella, and, you know, he's got to get himself acclimated to not only the city of Buffalo and wherever he's going to be staying for camp and stuff like that, but... Um, you know, to getting on the field and getting to know his teammates and the special teams unit because that's where he's mostly going to be. Um, and we know Isabella is a very fast, fast on the field talent. Ran a 4-3 in the 2019 combine. Second round pick a few years ago. Hasn't had too much success in the NFL. Uh, so far, uh, still very young. Still, you know, has... You know, a couple, maybe you know, another chance to turn into something, and maybe he's got that shot in Buffalo. I mean, for return wise, um, right now, I mean, it's looking to be what, you know, Deontay Hardy, um, uh, Deontay Hardy, Khalil Shakir, and probably Andy Isabella at the return spots. So really, and and uh, uh, Darrington Evans as well. Like, I mean, those guys are going to be rotating in and out, taking returns for the Bills. And, I mean, if Isabella can showcase his speed in a good enough way that he's turning, you know, punts and kick returns into positive gains that set up the Bills for good field position when they, once they take the, the field for the on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, I mean that's really what you're going to want to see. Um, if you're, you know, head coach Sean McDermott, uh, you know, obviously the special teams coaches and, players as well want to see that as well so I mean you know if he turns out to be something very good then it, it works out but if at the end of the day that he gets released um before the end of camp then I mean you brought in a guy that had some upside but it just didn't work out yeah no I agree and before we end this episode I do want to talk a little bit about the MLB because the MLB trade deadline is tomorrow and there's already been a number of trades like Noah Syndergaard going from the LA Dodgers to the Cleveland Guardians and the Guardians sending over Ahmed Rosario, uh, the shortstop. Got Carlos Santana going from Pittsburgh to Milwaukee. Uh, There are Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly going from the White Sox to the LA Dodgers. Uh, The Texans making a surprise trade trade two days ago with the Mets for Max Scherzer and the Mets are paying all of his contract but 22.5 million which may not seem like a lot to uh you know it, it may seem like a lot to pay but it really isn't that much uh with Scherzer's contract and uh, really all the Mets got was uh Lewis Angel Acuna, who is Ronald Acuna's younger brother, uh, who is in, I believe, triple-A right now. Triple or double-A? He's a minor leaguer. Um, Who knows when he'll be ready to come up to the majors. Uh, And then yesterday, the Angels trading with the Colorado Rockies to get C.J. Crone and Randall Gerchuk which is a huge trade. If uh, Zach Jones was in the room with me, he would be screaming his butt off because that is a huge first baseman to get. Same with a backup outfielder who can, you know, play left and right field. 
Um, if Mike Trout ever needs a break, you can plug him in. Um, and, you know, tomorrow is going to be huge in the sense that uh, Verlander will be on the move from the Mets most likely. The Yankees need a trade for somebody. There are still a lot of trades to happen, and it all ends tomorrow at 6 p.m., and then, you know, you got to fight for your playoffs after that. But that's going to do it for this episode of The Blitz. Uh, Evan, why don't you shout out the socials? Uh, yeah, you can find me over on Instagram at EvanHarrington63 uh, and on Twitter, or X or whatever the heck it's called now, um, at Evan uh, H underscore 716. Yeah, it's so weird that they renamed that X. I don't understand it at all. You know, Twitter was so famous because of the bird, and now you just get this random letter on your screen. But Twitter.com still works. I don't know. Uh, but you I think can... if you still type, I think if you type in the app, like, like on the app store, like Apple will still allow it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I know on Android it's now called X. It's just an X. Uh, it's so weird to look at. It's like two X's. Uh, you know, it, it's just weird to look at and not call it Twitter. Um, but never mind that. Uh, you can follow me at double underscore D capital W N Y. Uh, and that's going to do it for this episode of the Blitz. Uh, me and Evan would like to thank you for listening. And we hope that you have a great rest of your week. And we will see you next Monday. Bye-bye.